This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 38, entitled Paul's Adam Christology in Romans. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is, of course, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and I am your host. It is clear that already by the time of Paul, there is an established Christology revolving around Adam, the primordial human being spoken about in the book of Genesis. The Apostle Paul, within his letters, not only demonstrates a well-thought-out theology of Jesus in terms of Adam, but it seems that his theology is deeply rooted in his understanding of redemption, sin, the new age, resurrection, and the kingdom of God. In other words, Paul's Adam Christology is no minor point of consideration. Paul's theology of Jesus being the second Adam is clear in Romans and 1 Corinthians, and good arguments have been put forward regarding its appearing in Philippians as well. This episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast will explore how Paul describes Jesus as the second Adam in his letter to the Romans. Of interest for this podcast in particular is the nature of humanity Jesus is described with as a figure likened unto Adam, which in Hebrew means a human being. Likewise, if Jesus is the second Adam, then this holds considerable weight as to whether or not Jesus consciously pre-existed his birth prior to the original Adam. So there's quite a lot at stake when looking at Paul's theology of Jesus being the second Adam. So let's begin. Our first point is going to look at Jesus as the second Adam in Romans chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12 and go on to verse 21. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness there resulted in justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience... The many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. 
The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And we see a lot of interesting points there about Adam as the first human being and about Jesus, the second Adam, the one who is the type of the original Adam. Let's look at some of these points. We see that Adam in this passage functions as a representative figure, a human being representing all humanity. That seems to be very clear. Also, we see that Christ functions as a representative figure, since verse 14 says that Adam is a type of him who was to come. So if Adam was a representative human figure, then Jesus is also a representative human figure. Christ functions, therefore, as the eschatological counterpart to Adam. Those who belong to Adam belong to the old age, the present evil age. While those who belong to Christ, or in Paul's theology, those who are in Christ, they belong to the age to come, as they will reign in life through Jesus, according to verses 17 and 21. The obedience of Jesus, including his life's ministry and culminating in his death and resurrection, appeared to both accomplish what Adam originally was supposed to do, as well as share in the death that Adam introduced to the world. In this manner, Jesus first shared in Adam's destiny before achieving Adam's intended purpose, which was to rule over God's creation as stated in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28. Paul, of course, believes that Jesus has been resurrected and exalted to God's right hand and functions there as a ruler in some sense in the present. Jesus is pictured here in Romans chapter 5 unambiguously as a human figure. As Romans 5.15 calls him the human being, Jesus Christ. In order to undo the sin of Adam, a human being was therefore required. Nowhere in this passage does Paul state that the immortal God died. Rather, Jesus had to be a human being in order to be the type of Adam who was to come. Jesus had to share in the death that the human being Adam introduced. And the immortal God is incapable of dying and thereby sharing in Adam's death. Let's move to our second point, Jesus as the second Adam in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read the first six verses in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self, our old man, was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that 
we would no longer be slaves to sin. That's Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. This last verse, verse 6, where it talks about our old self being crucified with him, being crucified with Jesus, comes from the Greek phrase, paleos, imon anthropos sinestravrothi. Our old man was crucified with him, the old man, the old human being. And since Adam, the noun Adam, means a human being, the old man or the old self means the old Adam, the old Adam that is being identified with all human beings prior to their identification with Christ. So what can we get out of this passage? We see that the phrase continuing in sin in 6 and verse 1, seems to indicate a deliberate decision to live in and be identified with the old age, the age where Adam's death reigns. We also see that the death of Jesus, which undid the sin of Adam and ushered in the age to come into the present age, is something shared by believers. By participating in baptism, which symbolizes the death and resurrection of Jesus in its downward motion into the water and its upward motion emerging from the water, Christians share in Christ's victory over Adam and over the old age. Romans 6 and verse 6 says that our old man was crucified with Christ, meaning that the identity we inherited from the first Adam died. The old man is the old Adam, and that is crucially important in reading and understanding this passage. Romans 6 and verse 5 indicates that after our baptism, we walk in newness of life, no longer slaves to the sin that reigned in Adam's old age. Let's move on to our final point, looking at Jesus the second Adam in Romans chapter 8. There's an interesting passage here in Romans 8 and verse 3, which is sometimes confused as a passage regarding incarnation of Jesus becoming a human being and dying in sinful flesh. But as we're going to see, this is actually more likely to be a passage where Paul is describing Jesus taking on the role of of Adam as the second Adam and dealing with the problem of Adam's sin and Adam's transgression. Romans chapter 8 in verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's Romans 8 and verse 3. Based on what Paul has already said in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6, the sending of Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh indicates his likeness with Adam, the human being who introduced sin's reign into the old age. In other words, the sending of Jesus in flesh is not some sort of incarnation of a pre-existent Jesus into a human body. Rather, it is Jesus sharing in the role of Adam's destiny, in the life of obedience that Adam was supposed to achieve, and in the death that Adam introduced. We can see here that the word for likeness that Paul uses in Romans 8 and verse 3, the Greek word omioma, has already been used three previous times in Romans by Paul to describe Adam and the sin he introduced. 
Therefore, it seems very likely that here in Romans 8 and verse 3, where the same word likeness is also describing Adam and the sin that he introduced. So if Jesus was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh, he was sent in the likeness of Adam's sinful flesh and in the transgression that Adam introduced into the world as the first representative human being. Since Adam functioned as the representative human being, the one whose sin is shared by all subsequent human beings, Jesus as Adam's counterpart serves as the second representative human being, thus being able to be the one man into whose flesh God condemned sin. Therefore, Paul's understanding of atonement requires that Jesus Christ be both an authentic human being and one who comes temporally after Adam, rather than being before Adam in some manner of conscious preexistence. In other words, in order for the argument of Romans to make any sense, Jesus has to be a human being who came into existence after Adam sinned in Genesis chapter 3. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, Paul's understanding of Jesus as the second Adam is wholly integrated into Paul's theology of sin, redemption, Jesus' life of obedience, the two ages, the future resurrection of the dead, the kingdom of God, and of course, the identity of Jesus. Number two, we saw that Paul's theology is so thought out on how Jesus functions as the second Adam indicating that his understanding of Jesus as the human Messiah, who did not pre-exist his birth, was a very early Christian teaching possessed by Paul and taught in his churches. Number three, we observe that Paul's theology of atonement and redemption requires that Jesus Christ be a human figure coming after Adam in time a human figure who dies on behalf of all humanity. In other words, atonement is only possible if a human being who represents humanity in the same way that Adam represented humanity died on the cross. The God of Israel and angelic beings cannot qualify for this role that Paul gives for the one who undid the sin of Adam. If you enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast and you would like to donate to the work that it is doing, please check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends if you think that they would enjoy sharing in the conversation of theology, of the oneness and unity of God, and the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith. I am your host. And until next time, you take care.